This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm Dale Luganville. So this week's weekend recap and rant. Uh, sorry if I sound a little uh, sniffly. Hopefully I won't sneeze or cough up a lung while I'm doing this. I did pick up a, a cold. That's right, just a just a, a, a cold. Apparently these they still exist. I am uh, I am proof positive that uh, that you can still just get a cold. Uh, I got tested for the dirty Rona and uh, it was negative. So I dodged dodged it yet again. Uh, been surrounded by it since you know for pretty much forever and uh still managed to keep dodging it so i don't know or maybe i had it and didn't realize i had it and i have the immunity i don't know i should probably get that test the uh whatever they test see if you have the uh ah i can't i think of the word right now because i got a cold that's why antibodies there it is there's the word maybe maybe just to check to see if i've already had it or not but anyways that's enough talk about that it's it's only really a a point. It's only relevant to the story because uh, almost didn't have something to talk about this week. So the original plan was we were going to head up to um, the Turtle Mountains after Thanksgiving. Joel and I was going to go. Uh, Bobby and Wyatt were going to join us. Um, they were in Minnesota made last year with us, and so that was the plan. And then uh, when no. Yeah, Wednesday started feeling, like, just not right. And uh, more not right than usual. 
uh, kind of the chills. And then Thanksgiving rolled around. I was like, yeah, definitely got something going on. I'm not quite sure. And uh, so I actually went and got myself tested on Thanksgiving. And none of the like, clinics were open, so I had to do like the drive through thing. That's $90, apparently. So that was cool to pay somebody $90 to jam a Q-tip into your sinuses. So that was super fun. Um, but then, yeah, it came back negative, which was great because obviously if it was positive, I was going to have to cancel the trip. And uh, as it was, Bobby had to back out because he did have COVID. So it was instead of four of us, it was three of us. But I was glad it was just a regular old cold and it wasn't that bad. Well, that wasn't kick my ass too bad. So it's like, well, we'll medicate and we'll make it through. So eight-hour trip up there uh, and back, obviously. That was a little longer than that. We kind of dilly-dally took our time. We stopped at Shields and Grand Forks. Um, Wyatt really wanted some waxies and very upset that they did not have them at Shields. <laughs> Joel and I generally stick to plastics. We weren't too concerned, but we uh, – so now we're on the hunt, right? So we're looking at – as we, we, we leave Grand Forks, headed kind of towards the Devil's Lake area, we're looking up potential bait shops and why it's calling around to see if anybody has waxies. And it turns out nobody has waxies. I don't know why. you think they would be stocked up this time of year. Uh, I can't imagine – the supply chain for wax worms has should have anything to do with container ships off the coast of California. Uh, so I don't know why there's a wax worm shortage. Uh, we're having a hell of a time. We found this uh, place and yeah, I've got them. So we go there and it's like a shed. Um, turns out, and the, the, they weren't open. Uh, but we call him up and he's like, oh, I'm, a, I'm just five minutes down the road. It turns out this guy... He's not, this isn't a bait shop. He's a bait dealer. So <laughs> he's like, but you know, I can sell you some. It's like, oh, I was, that made Wyatt's day and Wyatt's trip for sure. Um, so he brought a, bought a pretty good sized jug of them. Um, and uh, that was kind of cool talking to him. It was pretty interesting. So we're, um, another interesting thing is I'm, I'm talking to my, uh, contact up there, uh, Clayton Davis up on the res, like who was going to, you know, hopefully get to fish with us. And it's kind of pointing us in the right directions. And, uh, we're getting closer. I'm like, all right, where, what's the plan? What are we doing? And, and it was interesting because the old timer, you know, he's like, well, where are you guys going? And what are you doing? And we told him we're headed up to turtle mountains for big bluegills. He's like, Oh, okay. Well, 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 this, that, and the other thing. And then, uh, he mentions right, right before I left, right before we leave, he's like, well, you should go try this lake. And we're like, mm, okay, that this old timer, this sounds like somebody we should listen to. So we're definitely going to keep that in mind. We get back in the vehicle, we take off, and uh, like mere minutes after that exchange, um, Clayton messaged me. He's like, well, here's the plan. We're going to travel. We're going to start off on Lake X. <laughs> same, same lake that the old timer uh, recommended. So I was like, there's confirmation. We are definitely going there. Uh, so that was that was the plan. Unfortunately, Clayton was uh, they, he has a ranch, so he was they were busy uh, unloading hay. He wasn't sure if he was going to get to uh, fish that night because we were going to 
we were getting there in enough time. We had left like 4 o'clock in the morning, so we wanted to get there in time to be able to fish some of Friday. And um, so he kind of explained to me, and um, and Joel and Wyatt already been kind of doing some research and talking to other people, and apparently up there, a lot of the lakes, the bite window is like small, low light. You have first light and last light, and that's when the bluegills bite, which to me is just like, that's so weird. And I know we have a couple like night bite bluegill lakes in northern Minnesota, like Patrick, um, Patches Olson from the Lone Angler has talked about that a uh, couple of lakes like that, which I've never personally experienced. It just sounds like so weird to me. Um, but that was that was kind of the plan. So we head out, and uh, Clayton tells us where to go. You know, kind of walks me through it on the phone because he wasn't able to join us. And so we start there, and and one of the things he said is, uh, you know, if you find perch or smaller gills, that's you're in the right spot. You know, then just stay there until prime time. You see the, the, the bluegills will move in. So we started drilling holes, you know, and we brought light. We had two live scopes, um, and they were pretty much of no use um, just because the weeds. And we went out into the basin, didn't really, weren't marking anything out in the basin. And the weeds were dead. We had, were threw the camera down there. We looked around, didn't find anything. And then uh, finally found some spots that had some of those perch in it. And the perch were biting pretty good, but they were nothing to write home about either. Um, so we just, well, this is should be the right area. That's what Clayton was saying. And then uh, the sun goes down, and sure enough, start picking up some bluegills. And uh, caught, you know, I think first fish was pretty decent, probably about nine inches, um, which doesn't seem that big, but these fish up there are just built different they're so tall um so even a nine you're just like that's it it's only a nine how is this only a nine like this thing looks gigantic um so that was so we fished till after dark continued to catch some fish um so we're up there trying to find these 12 inches like a 12 inch bluegill true trophy mega donkey that was the point of this trip. And talking to Lawrence Loma, who thanks Lawrence, by the way, for, for um, introducing me to Clayton. I owe you. That, that's an awesome connection. Um, but in talking to them, you know, it's there's other lakes we could have gone to or would have caught, like, probably caught more fish. Um, you know, you catch you more of your 9s and 10s, but you wouldn't have that option for true giants for the 12s. And we had all kind of agreed, like, this was a trophy hunt. We're going up there for one fish, and we don't care who catches it. We just want to see one giant. And uh, so we kind of pretty much stuck to our guns. Like, we're going to go, we don't care, you know. And uh, as the weekend progressed, though, you know, we had to kind of keep talking ourselves back into that. So Friday came and went, didn't find any true giants, kind of got a feel for that lake a little bit and then you know so we were staying at the resort the sky dancer casino and resort or resort and casino i'm not quite sure which way the words flow not that it matters um but uh we go and we have dinner there and the food is legit 
at this resort. Holy smokes, I am super impressed. Just all all around, very impressed with this uh, um, resort and casino. V very everything was clean. Um, food was fantastic. There looks like they're uh, remodeling or they're they're adding on. Look like um, so. I mean, they had a buffet, but the buffet was closed. Um, there was another bar area that was also closed. That was all under construction. So it kind of interesting. I would like to go back sometime. Um, well, I'm definitely going back, but we'll we'll continue on. So we're the plan was in the morning, go back to that lake. Um, you know, try to get there before sun up. Try to get that low light period, and then um, like once that bite died off, then we would go do something else. And originally thought, you know, we we're looking at all the different options. There's a couple areas where we heard you can catch big crappies. Maybe maybe we will go to this other lake where they're known for more, you know, 10 inches and stuff like that. And uh, we're trying to figure all that out. <clears throat> and then uh, Wyatt gets some info about a area trout lake that's supposed to have really big trout in it. And so we get to talk about that. And Joel had never, has, has never really done it. He's never caught a real big trout or trout of any kind. I guess he said he caught one, like, tiny one at the time, but didn't count for some reason. You have to ask him. Uh, anyways, he's like, I, I'd like to do that. I'm like, dude, I'm in. Trout fishing, ice fishing for trout is super fun. Um, so that was kind of our plan. So we get up, we get to the lake, and we head out there, and we're a little behind our schedule. It's already kind of starting to get light when we get there. We walk out, we, we reopen some of our holes, and the first hole I try, boom, I start catching fish. It's like, God dang it. We should have been here earlier. Um, kind of think we may have missed some opportunities. And, uh, so yeah, we proceed to, we proceed to catch some fish, still not finding any of those giants did again, caught some, you know, nice nine inches that are just tall and beautiful looking. Um, but no, no, no twelves. And then they just, man, when they shut off, they just shut off. I don't know where they go. You cannot find them with a live scope. You can't find them in the weeds. These things just do a complete Houdini and vanish. It's it's the weirdest thing. It's crazy. Like part of me like I want to under ice dive this thing to see where these fish go and just follow them. Cause it's such a mystery. It's just crazy. Um, but then once the perch start biting, you know it's pretty much over. So that happened. Then we headed off and we go uh, check out that trout lake. And we wanted to find. Um, we we're hoping to find bait. Um, to use some live minnows because you can do that in North Dakota here in Minnesota. You can't use live minnows for trout and trout season isn't even open right now, but North Dakota doesn't have seasons. Uh, fishing is 365 there. They don't, they don't have any openers like, like we have here in Minnesota, Wisconsin, or Michigan or wherever, like things are just always open. Um, so yeah, we're able to go target those. So we're like, well, we do have wax worms. We'll just, do the best we can and we had set uh Wyatt had had a snare rod so we set a snare rod out a snare rod out with some waxies and then we were all jigging spoons and stuff and his set rod got hit like a bunch of times but it just wouldn't it just kept dropping it and let's see we weren't able to actually stick one on that um but it got hit a bunch um I had a couple opportunities that I didn't capitalize on on my jigging spoons so did Wyatt and then Joel missed one. He had one on for a little bit, then it got off. 
and then uh, then he ended up hooking up like solid hookup. And uh, so we all run over there. I was able to Snapchat all that. So if you follow me on Snapchat, you saw that fight and then ultimately that fish. Um, I've since posted on Instagram, I believe. Um, I don't think I posted a picture of Joel with the fish. I need to do that. I'm going to put that on Instagram. Um, But I did the fish laying on the ice. Beautiful fish. Beautiful. 25-inch rainbow. Gorgeous color. Pretty sure it's a male. Has a little bit of that kite jaw. Um, and then, so we had a time where we needed to quit and get back to the original lake, the big trophy gill lake. Cause then we wanted, you know, we're trying to, we're there, we are there for big gills. That is our main focus. So we need to be there at prime time. Um, and then right before we were to leave, I got smoked and somehow I don't know how I did not hook this fish. Cause my, my, I mean, I set the hook and my rod loaded up and just immediately slacked out. So I don't, not quite sure how I missed that fish, but, um, that was a lot of fun. That was like, kind of, kind of made the trip, honestly, like that was a really good fight. And, uh, just watching Joel and he was excited and never caught a trout to the ice before. So that's, you know, that's a pretty good one to, uh, for your first, you could, almost hang up the ice fishing gear as far as trout fishing is concerned because I'm not sure when you're going to beat 25 inches. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, really good fish. Um, then we headed back to that lake. Uh, I didn't really have to open too many holes out. It was kind of warm that day. So, uh, No, it started. That's right. No, it got really windy, actually. Um, we did have to reopen some holes. There wasn't like a much ice. You can pretty much kick them open, but and then you had all the slush and the ice chunks to deal with. So actually it was a little easier to just zip them open with the drill and clean them out. But got there and fished, uh, again, fished after dark. And um, Clayton was finally able to join us that evening. And uh, so we got to fish with him. It was a lot of fun. What a great dude, man. Like that, one of the nicest guys I have ever met in my entire life. Dude is super cool. He's the, uh, he's the reservation game warden up there um just very cool dude man um and so we invited him out to have dinner with us again saturday night we didn't catch any 12s that night um head back to the casino we're gonna eat at the casino again because food is so bomb and the night before i had the tomahawk ribeye which was so good perfectly cooked uh tasted so good and (laughs) And apparently the other items on the menu are just as good because when we sat down and order, everybody ordered the exact same thing they had the night before. <laughs> They're like, that was so good. I'm having that again. And I, yeah, I, I went for the tomahawk steak again. Like it was, it was just that good. Um, and then, so yeah, as we get eating with Clayton and just spinning tails and he's telling all sorts of stories and, uh, Oh man, what a fantastic night! Having a few beers, recapping some stuff, uh, meeting new friends, um, and I just I can't speak highly enough of uh, Mr. Clayton Davis. He's pretty awesome. Um, that was a lot of fun. And so now we're thinking, well, you know, with this weird short bite window. I guess we're going to be getting on the road pretty early in the morning, which isn't the worst thing in the world to get home at a decent time, but um, it's still kind of nuts. So we got up extra early 
Sunday morning, so we made sure we didn't miss any blight window. And for whatever reason, Joel was very tired and uh, decided to stay in the truck. So it was up to Wyatt and I to get this 12-incher thing done. And we gave her hell. I ended up catching one um, when it was still very dark. Not a 12-incher. It's another nice, like, 9-incher or whatever. Didn't measure it. It was just another nice, solid fish. And then, uh, and then I struggled. I could not mark another fish. Meanwhile, Wyatt had, like, the hot hole. And he was just pinwheeling over there, just slaying them left and right. And uh, I tried to get as close to him as I can. I didn't want to, you know, drill a new hole and bust out his, his school. Uh, I eventually did drill a hole. I waited till he said he didn't have any fish on his screen, so then I drilled one closer. And then I think that was, like, they never returned. So I think that was just the end of the bite. And it was it was kind of nuts. I, I mean... I got fairly close to him with one of our other holes and just, I don't know, I couldn't. For some reason, they were stacked on that one hole, and uh, he 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 made short work of me. He said he had one real good mark that came in, sniffed it, and left that he thinks might have been. And we had a couple of those each time we went out. Like, each person had kind of uh, had a run-in with a bigger fish, and you could just tell the mark was bigger, and they acted different, and they, you know, those big bluegills, they don't get that big by being stupid. So um, we didn't end up getting any true trophies, but it was fine. You know, we we kept kind of getting distracted and saying, well, maybe we should try somewhere else, try some. No, we, let's just stick to the plan. Everybody we've talked to said this is the lake you want to be on to catch a true giant, to catch a 12-inch. Um, let's just, we just need to put in our time. With Clayton showed us pictures, like, this is the lake you want to be on. And uh, we just we put our time. I think you just got to put your time in. And with such a short bite window, it's probably going to take more than one trip to get it, to get this thing done. Um, so, that yeah, that was the North Dakota Tournament trip, which I was so happy to get up there. We'd have been talking about doing this destination trip for so long. I'm so glad we did it. And I, I got to say, this is one of those areas that I fell in love with, like right away. It, it's absolutely beautiful up there. The people are super nice. It's a great reservation. Great, um, the casino. I cannot speak high in the, highly enough of it. Didn't get a chance to gamble at all. Um, I'm not a huge gambler, but I was like, oh, maybe I will play some blackjack. But never did do that. Um, I think we need more time. So next time we go up there, and there is definitely going to be a next time. Um, sounds like we need to be up there on late ice. It sounds like the bite is a little bit better. You know, first ice can be a little bit tough. It's it's clear ice there was like no snow up there so you know it's it can be pretty tough conditions light ice bite is supposed to be better might have a better chance to get one of those 12 so when we go back i think we need at least two full days of fishing and for sure want to go target those trout again and we're going to be set up for it because we that was not the plan we went out there. So we didn't really have the right equipment for it. We were trying to make do with our panfish stuff, um, which had been okay if you're like 12, 14-inch trout, but not 20-inch, 20 25-inch trout. You need a little stouter stuff. And uh, plus, in North Dakota, you can have four lines apiece. So the way to do it would be to have some, you know, iFish Pros or... Um, Oh, 
what's I can't think of the other one like the automatic fisherman or whatever whatever that one is called where it like sets the hook for you. We need some of those. Um, so if each of us had three set lines out, there's nine set lines, and then just keep jigging. You know, and now of course we're picking up more and more people that want to jump in on this. So, you know, maybe we have a, a bigger group next time we go. I mean, we can put a really good spread of set lines out on this lake. And I gotta say, with the action that we did have, I bet we had a good eight to ten opportunities, like legit opportunities to to catch a, a good trout on that lake. We just didn't capitalize on it. And I think a lot of that has to do with not having the right gear. Um, so if we gear up for it, plus, and like that set line went off like four or five, six times. It just never, we just never hooked up. So I think if you had enough set lines out there, you'd have had a pretty active day chasing those, chasing those flags per se, flags in air quotes. Um, so that, that was a lot of fun. So then the, uh, eight hour trip home, which was pretty uneventful, although saw a shitload of geese in Minnesota, um, all along the 94 corridor, pretty much like before, right before you got to Fergus and all the way into the cities. It just seems like there was flocks flying over 94 everywhere, all the way down. It was crazy. So the duck season is over in Minnesota here, but the goose season is still open and should be should be pretty good for those that can get out, um, put in some time scouting. Um, you should be able to find some birds. They are around for sure. This weekend, uh, not going to get to do any outdoor stuff. I will be at uh, the St. Paul Ice Fishing Show. Um, uh, Minnesota Made and FAM has Future Anglers Minnesota. We are volunteering and helping Clam out with their, um, they have like a game section on, on the upstairs. And we're going we're gonna to be running that. So you can come on out, say hi. Uh, I'm going to try to sneak off and uh, spend some time with in the Della Bay booth as well. And then uh, I would just like to walk around and shake some hands and talk to people and maybe pick up some more stuff. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I will be – my plan is to be at the show all day, every day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So uh, you should be able to find me in the building somewhere if you come on up. So there's your recap. And for my rant um, – this this has kind of popped up again. I noticed on Facebook um, the stuff about live scope. Um, is it affecting fish populations? And you know, it was very unscientific. It was just somebody's questions question on, on a, a group page, and of course, a wide range of of answers coming in. And I gotta say, my gut instinct again. This for even for, admittedly, this can be very unscientific for me. But, like, we had two live scopes with us this past weekend. And the for the conditions that we were fishing, they didn't help us at all. That absolutely did not help us catch one single fish, not even when we were trout fishing. We set it up and, and used it. I think we marked, like, two fish with it. And then that was that. Um, also, it's not really a one-person thing. You know, it's, you know, one person that's kind of spinning around and another person to drill and, you know, three people is like the perfect amount for running one live scope, right? One guy is running it, one guy drills, the other guy fishes, you know, if these schools are moving. Now, if the schools aren't moving, you know, you could, one person could probably get away with with using it. Um, but with that said, it's like the 
people that I know that have LiveScope, for the, for the most part, seem to be like tournament anglers and stuff like that that don't even keep fish that often. So I would wager, in my opinion, I think your weekend bucket brigade that's taking fish home every time they go out without live scope is doing a, a heavier number on overall fish populations than people with live scope. Does live scope help uh, in certain conditions? 100%. But again, a lot of these the anglers that are using it are catch and release, you know, unless it's a tournament and that one day they're keeping fish. And then even with that said, they can only keep so many, you know, they only need to keep so many for their tournament limit. The chances are they're not keeping a full two man limit. So, so again, I mean, who, which weekend warrior is going out there just with their normal electronics. And if they get on a good bite, they're keeping their limit. And let's be honest, a lot of them probably already have another limit in their freezer, which is illegal, but you know they do it anyways. Um, we just talked about that with um, Jesse Thalman last week's episode. Ep- episode. Episode. So I just don't think, you know, every every time a new, new and improved technology comes along, there's always some pushback. And uh, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, I think there should be some healthy skepticism and, and just making sure um, it's a good thing to be trying to keep the bigger picture conservation-wise in mind. So I'm totally fine with it. I'm not complaining that people are complaining. I think it's it's good to, you know, question it and then hopefully it holds up the scrut- scrutiny and which I think it does, and usually what then end up happening is it's people forget about it, or the next newest, big newest thing comes out, and they switch their focus to that. Um, and as this technology improves and it gets cheaper and cheaper, more and more people will have it, and then you know, then maybe you know, then I I could see if enough people had live scope, if enough people that. Of of the bucket brigade mentality of the of the catch and keep, had it. You might you you might you might see that might start affecting uh, some of these populations. But now, as we're already finding out here in Minnesota, at least for some of the lakes, they're reducing the limits. But that's more of just trying to create bigger fish than it is so much protecting overall populations but i will say like i have continued to i have said many times before on this podcast if you feel that the limits are too high or too many fish are being taken out of a lake or of this size or or whatever it is you don't have to wait for the dnr to change the limits you can take it amongst yourself and set your own parameters. And uh, I I know I do it. I know a lot of guys that do it. You know, they have their kind of own personal bluegill slot limit and their own personal crappie slot limit. For me, it's like eight and a half to nine inch gills. That's what I like to, that I'll keep. Anything over nine is going back for crappies. You know, like up to 12, you know, an 11-inch 11, 11 crappie is a great eating crappie. That's a nice, that's a nice thick filet. 
you know, for me personally, honestly, like one meal, if I kept four crappies, yeah, if I kept four 11-inch crappies, that's that's all I'm eating, those eight fillets. That's, that's it. I'm going to be full for sure. So I don't even need a full limit. So there's no reason just because the limit is 10, you don't have to keep 10. There's, there's, there's no last thing. You have to keep those. And so if that is your concern, if you're concerned about overall numbers, then start taking it upon yourself. You can start keeping less. Um, and then promote that amongst your friends and family and people that you maybe can influence. And you can change your culture that way. Bass fishing did it in the 80s with catch and release. Tournament anglers started, they wanted to catch bigger and bigger fish. They started doing catch and release. Um, there, there were no laws for it, and and there still really aren't. I know there's a couple of catch and release lakes like Chisago, but for the most part, bass anglers don't really keep them anyways. So it's just a great example of you don't have to wait for a law to dictate that you can't keep X amount of fish or this size of fish. You can take it amongst yourself and and set your own parameters, have your own conservation, and uh, I actually think that is better and more efficient than waiting for laws to be enacted. So there's my uh, recap. There's my opinion on that. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, a couple shout-outs quick before I go. A uh, great uh, friend of mine and a friend of the show, uh, if you listen to it long enough, you probably know this person, Mr. Tony Tessing from Hometown Hero Outdoors. Uh, huge shout out to him. He is back home. He has, speaking of COVID, he has been fighting COVID. Um, it was pretty bad there for a while. Uh, he was, you know, they had him on intubation. And in my experience, like when I heard that news, my heart sunk um, because that was a death sentence. Um, he's He is now the first person that I know in my circle, people that I have talked to and heard about, that has been in the hospital, went on intubation, and not died. I am very thankful of that. Um, so um, welcome home, Tony. I'm glad to hear you got a long road recovery, it sounds. Uh, you're a tough son of a bitch. I know you can do it. But I saw a picture of you and your family and your new baby boy. Made my heart smile. So um, just want a huge shout-out to the testing family. Uh, thinking about you, continue thinking about you. Also, speaking of Patrick Patches, Olson uh, has also come down with the dirty Rona. Um, sounds like he's doing okay. He he has had the the jabby jab, um, so probably you know hopefully there's any truth to all that that it doesn't hit him too hard. He seems to be doing okay. So uh, just a shout out to old Patrick. Uh, we'll be we'll be thinking about you. Uh, get some rest get better buddy and uh yeah that's it so with that uh well thank everybody for listening i truly appreciate it come out and see me at the st paul ice fishing show if you can and uh yeah that's it um i'm not sure what we're gonna have for it's supposed to be really warm this week here in minnesota so whoever got out ice fishing this past weekend be careful um hopefully we don't lose too much i know you have to travel Fairmount North to get on some decent nights anyways uh, so we'll see but if you're going fishing be super careful and good luck have fun catch a lot of big fish uh, that's that I will leave you with this whatever your passion 
pursue it full scale. <laughs>